Welcome into the Built by Bama Online podcast. That's right. The staff here at BamaOnline.com has officially taken the plunge into the podcast pool. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com here with you. Welcoming in my colleagues, the great Charlie Potter does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide on a daily basis and recruiting analyst Hank South. Uh, just incredible work covering Alabama football recruiting, basketball recruiting, uh, day in, day out. Charlie and Hank are all over it. Guys, I don't want to turn this into sort of that nerdy uh, kind of introductory podcast where we kind of have name tags on and we say who we are and what we do, but we're going to do that anyway. So <laughs> we'll start with you, Charlie. Uh, give us a little background on yourself, uh, how long you've been with us at BamaOnline.com, and sort of what your daily duties are for the website. Yeah, um, I've been with BOL since 2013, um, or 2014. You know, that's, that's a great question. I don't even know how long I've been here. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've been covering the team for, for a long time now. Um, did it as a student in Alabama. Um, luckily, Tim gave me the job. Out of college, um, you know, I wonder sometimes if he regrets that decision, but I'm still here, so I think that answers it. But yeah, just on a daily basis, um, you know, keeping up with this team, keeping up with um, Nick Saban and, and his doings, especially now, um, you know, after the spring with his hip surgery, it never ends. Um, I know, you know, Hank can speak to that too. Recruiting never ends, but the stuff with the team, with the players, with the coaches, it, it never ends. So you're always busy, but it's fun. Um, you know, I, I, it's like a job. Anybody uh, has um, complaints about their job, but I have to remind myself I'm just you know writing about a football team, and it's just a surreal experience. And now I get to talk about it with you guys, which should be pretty fun. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. What about it, Hank? Your turn. Yeah, you know, um, I've been. I just came up on my uh, four years. Started in March 2015 with BOL, which. Seems crazy. It's gone by really fast. Um, uh, Tim hired me right after the 2015 class signed. So, so the 2016 class was my my first go covering Alabama recruiting, and you know, just it, it's been kind of a whirlwind to follow, just with how much it's all kind of evolved and 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 you know how big of a thing Twitter has come and social media and and you know just all these little things that go into recruiting and, and getting to cover that every day. And, and, you know, on, on a day-to-day basis, it's, you know, it never really ends. You know, you go from one thing to the next, um, you know, right now we're in an evaluation period, you know, spring visits just ended, um, culminating in a day, summer camps will start up and then you go into the season with official visits and all that into the early signing period. So, you know, there's always something to cover and, and it always, there's always something, you know, interesting to follow. And, and, uh, and it's, you know, it, there's not a much, there's not <laughs> a better team to follow than Alabama when it comes to being a recruiting reporter, which is, you know, the, 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 who, who they target and, and, uh, you know, just the kind of, uh, national approach the staff takes. So, you know, I've, I've gotten to do a lot of fun things in my time with BOL. I've got to go to Oregon a couple of times for the opening and, and uh, I've gotten to you know travel throughout the southeast and visit with some of these guys, and it's been it's been a blessing to be able to do this, and uh, and I look forward to the years to come, continue to do it. Yeah, I've been with Bama Online since 2003, so I'm right at 16 years. I can tell you, the team we have right now with Charlie and Hank, and of course Tim Watts, uh, I feel as good about it as I ever have. So that speaks a ton to the work. 
that's being done on a daily basis by the likes of Hank South and Charlie Potter. And we look to make this a fun thing, informative at the same time here on the Built by Bama online podcast. We wanted to give you what you need to know. We're not going to uh, spend an hour or two on these podcasts, but we're going to get in, we're going to get out, we're going to have some fun and hopefully inform you all at the same time. And guys, I figured no better way to start the existence of this podcast than with an NFL draft, because in so many ways, right, it signifies the dominance of Alabama football uh, under Nick Saban in these last dozen years or so. And I'll start with you, Hank, from that perspective. In terms of what Thursday night in Nashville specifically will mean to Alabama from a recruiting standpoint, what type of value does that have in the big picture for Nick Saban and his staff? Oh, you, you know, you, you can't really like measure that. I mean, it, it's, it's uh, year after year, uh, recruits are seeing Alabama, got, Alabama players go in the first round, multiple Alabama players go in the first round, and then, you know, throughout the rest of the draft and, and kind of just – it's it's kind of the marquee night you know you look you look at a recruiting event like a day is the marquee event of the spring uh when it comes to visitors on campus but you know you can make an argument that just the first round of the nfl draft on thursday night is just as big of an of a recruiting event you know each year we've seen nick saban call uh album's top targets from the draft on on, during the first round um and and, you know kind of paint that picture of of them being there in, in three to four years and, and you know what they can accomplish should they choose Alabama and there's not really a better recruiting tool than that um, when it when it comes to going after these five-star prospects and I, I know recently I, I just talked to a, a five-star recruit that was on campus at Alabama uh, last week Darnell Washington um, five-star tight end from Las Vegas and he, he was talking about how he just saw on social media the that that statistic that came out last year that uh, our colleague at 24-7 Sports. Chris Hummer found. Uh, I think it was just under fifty percent of five-star recruits get drafted in the first round if they choose Alabama, whereas other schools, I think it's seventeen or eighteen percent. So, um, you know, it, it's a great recruiting tool, and um, it, it's certainly going to be a big night for Alabama. You know, kind of building that momentum heading into the summer. Chris Hummer with that unbelievable update. It was fourteen of the 29 five-stars that Nick Saban had signed at Alabama through last year's draft who had converted into first-round picks. That's the type of numbers uh, that you just can't beat on the recruiting trail. Speaking of Nick Saban, Charlie, you touched on his uh, his hip surgery on Monday. Um, what are we putting the odds at Nick Saban being in Nashville, uh, a fixture at those first rounds as he's been for NFL drafts? Any chance – you think we see Nick Saban uh, on Thursday night for that opening round up there? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think he'll be there. Um, you know, he had successful hip replacement surgery uh, yesterday, yesterday being Monday. And, um, you know, Dr. Kane said that, you know, he's resting comfortably and they anticipate a full recovery. But, you know, he should be back to work in the very near future. But I don't think it'll be that quick. Um, you know, people that have had hip replacement surgeries, I've talked to a couple of them. Uh, since then, my mom has actually had hip replacement surgery, and uh, she's not quite the athlete that Nick Saban is, but it still took her a while to, to even be able to, to move around. So, um, you know, I, I asked about some of the dates coming up because the draft is obviously the quickest, and you know, that one was obviously not very optimistic about his chances of being in Nashville, but he still has several, you know, golf tournaments, some, some um, speaking engagements coming up, and I think he's hopeful to get to those 
Uh, I know the Regents Pro-Am in, in Birmingham is coming up at the beginning of May, and I don't think he'll be able to play in that. He's still got a while to go before he can get back on the links. Uh, but I think he's going to try to make some appearances. But it's going to be tough for him in a three-day turnaround to show up for the first round uh, of the NFL draft. I know you know Hank already alluded to it. Uh, it's kind of been a tradition where um, you know he goes and, and calls some recruits from wherever the draft has been uh, the last uh, several years. But I think that's going to be one that has to be put on hold, and and that's understandable. Um, you know Nick Saban doesn't want to go out there and re-injure himself. Um, he's been out in front of this whole hip replacement deal, and I think that's very strategic. Um, you know, a lot of people like to negative recruit against Alabama and, you know, the, the one thing they would love to have is a, is a picture of Nick Saban with a cane or a walker at the NFL draft. That would just be ammunition for them. So I don't expect to see him there, but you know, with him and how relentless he is uh, with everything, I wouldn't anticipate him being out of commission for very long after that. Yeah. More importantly, as you touched on, he's got those golf events coming up. He's got, the regions that you talked about, he's supposed to play in that Chick-fil-A event with Mark Ingram. Uh, I would think both of those, uh, given the time frame, though, uh, would be quite difficult coming off hip replacement surgery. Guys, let's talk about some of the players involved uh, from the Alabama contingent in this draft. Uh, Hank, I want to start with Jonah Williams because we talked about the conversion of five-star recruits to first-round picks. Looks like Jonah's going to be the latest in that line. His path to Alabama, Hank, um, was it part of that Tosh Lapoy sort of pipeline to Northern California, or how did that how did that work initially? Yeah, you know, um, he, he was one of the the quietest five star prospects I've ever covered, and he was one of the first recruits. In fact, Jonah Williams was the first uh, first Alabama commitment in my time covering Alabama recruiting. So, uh, kind of, this is kind of a, a special night, you know, looking back on this. Um, but no, he, uh, in terms of, you know, grading him as a five star and then where he's going to likely go in the NFL draft on Thursday night, you know, it, in terms of exceeded or, or did not exceed expectations, he, he's kind of just matched it right there. You know, he, the 24 seven sports composite, which is an industry generated average between, uh, 24 seven sports rivals and ESPN and, and scout back at the time, um, had him as the number 17 prospect in the country. And, you know, that's kind of right on. I, I feel like in the, in the mock drafts, you know, in, in that range, you know, he, he's obviously could go higher, but it's, it's kind of been, there's been several mock drafts with him right in that range. So, um, you know, he, his path to Alabama, uh, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting story in that, you know, he's from the South. He, he was from, he was recruited out of Folsom, California, but uh, he grew up in Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, and I believe one of his family members was an Auburn fan. And you know, Bama wasn't really on the radar for a while until for him until they offered um, in, in February or, or March of 2015. And he took a visit out to Tuscaloosa, uh, went home raving about it, and, and committed a couple weeks later. So uh, you know, he, he's one of the most interesting recruits in that he didn't really ever talk. He he made a Twitter to commit to Alabama, and then he never tweeted again. Uh, he didn't do any interviews. He kind of just committed and, and went about his senior year and, and just kind of just, you know, that's a testament to the, the kind of person and player he is. You know, he's just a he's a grinder. He's a hard worker. Um, and, you know, that that's kind of what scouts have raved about him and, and how he's been so successful, in my opinion. And, you know, um, come Thursday night, I think, you know, that that five star grade is going to match up with, with where he gets picked. Charlie, has there been a strong feeling in terms of a where and when? Jonah might go. I know you've interacted with Mel Kuyper Jr. 
uh, Todd McShay, Daniel Jeremiah, all these different nationally renowned draft analysts. Has there been maybe a consensus with Jonah Williams and his place in this draft? Um, you know, one of the teams that he's been mentioned with quite a bit, whether it's with uh, Daniel Jeremiah or the guys from ESPN or just looking at a bunch of the mock drafts has been the Minnesota Vikings. I think they picked it number 18 in the first round, and that'd be a good landing spot for them. He have a, they have an explosive offense. Uh, they need some offensive line help, and um, yeah, I think that would be a, a good landing spot for Jonah. He had private workouts with the Green Bay Packers uh, in the New York Jets. He also kind of met with several teams uh, at the Combine, whether it was the Vikings. Uh, he also met with the Jets there, the Giants, I think the Broncos and the Bills. And um, you know, he's been busy. He and Ross Pierce Baker have been you know, working. I know he's spent some time with Joe Staley. Um, you know, he's a tackle for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. And, and Jonas kind of had to deal with some surprising, some surprising things this offseason. Um, you know, his, his arm length has been something that a lot of teams have, have questioned. Um, I think he's probably been annoyed by that because, you know, Jonah's a guy that, um, you know, is a, he's just a tenacious um, you know, film studier. He's, he's basically just a big football nerd. And um, I think his study and effort off the field is directly um, realized on the field with with his production and his play, and um, that that's just kind of been one of the storylines for most of the off season is his arm length. But um, I think it was yesterday on a teleconference with uh, Mel Kiper and, and Todd McShay. Um, you know, Mel made a very good point. Uh, Andre Dillard of Washington State is someone that everybody hasn't even blinked an eye about, and mentioned him as a the left tackle in the league. And, um, you know, Jonah has longer arms than he does. And uh, Jonah's a guy that's played right and left tackle at a very consistent and high level for a, um, one of the top programs in college football uh, for three years. And um, I think he's a guy that if he wants to play left tackle in the league, he certainly can do that. Uh, some teams might want to move him around, but uh, Jonah can play wherever he wants to on the offensive line. He's that smart and that good of a player. And uh, I think the Minnesota Vikings would be lucky to have him. I would almost anticipate him coming off the board a little bit early. I think Jonah probably tested really well uh, with interviewing with the team. So he might not be there in the, the later portion of the round, but you know, any team's going to get a guy that's been very productive and just from a reporter standpoint, very good to deal with uh, in interviews. Yeah, we saw Austin Shepard, I guess, up there with the Vikings a couple of years ago. So maybe it'll be another former Alabama tackle uh, up there in the NFC North. Uh, let's talk about the guy who is expected to be the first Alabama player off the board, if not the first overall player off the board on Thursday night. That's Quinnen Williams. Hank, I think a lot of comparisons are drawn between Quinnen Williams and Deron Payne, given the proximity of each coming out of this Alabama program. But as recruits, I think Deron Payne was a five-star, Quinnen Williams a four. How were they sort of perceived in comparison to one another with Quinnen coming out right behind Deron Payne. Yeah. You know, uh, Deron certainly did kind of match the, uh, the, his projection as far. And for, and, you know, for, for those that don't really follow recruiting rankings or aren't really familiar with them, they're ranked. The rankings say one through 32, which are the five-star rankings are, you know, mirrored as an NFL draft. So you, you see kind of the more, 
premium players at the top end, the, the guys one through five are the guys that would typically, that type of position group that would typically get taken one through five in the NFL draft. So that's why, obviously, uh, you know, defensive line is a premium position there. Um, but as far as Quentin Williams goes, and, and I've seen this, you know, everyone says he was kind of underrated as a prospect. And, you know, he certainly was. But at the same time, he was he was a four star and he was the number 155 player in the country. So, you know, he was very highly thought of coming out of high school in, in Birmingham. And, and so he's not kind of this, uh, you know, under the radar player that that just uh, that just came out of nowhere. He, he was a four star recruit. But certainly, you know, when, when you look at where he's going to go in the draft on Thursday night, um, he, he he exceeded his expectations greatly. Um, and, and so, you know, uh, he, he's one of he's one of my favorite recruits that I've covered. He was in the 2016 class. He was committed to Auburn. Um, some people forget for, for quite some time. He decommitted after camping at Alabama in June of 2015 and then uh, and then committed to Alabama a few a few weeks later. And uh, I'll never forget but my his his commitment ceremony was was one to remember. He just walked in with an Alabama shirt on. He didn't. <laughs> that wasn't really an announcement. He just came in and was wearing an Alabama shirt. But um, you, you know, he it, it kind of just goes to show. Um, Bender recruits these guys and they get them in the program and develop them. And he's certainly a testament of of that process and what they're able to do in the strength and conditioning program, what they're able to do from a coaching standpoint, and just you know, Quentin Williams' work ethic himself and, and what he's been able to do. So, um, you know, one, one of the guys that deserves it most. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes on Thursday. Charlie, you and I go out to these practices, we follow this football team on a daily basis, uh, even though Quinnen, it's interesting enough, in 2017, he had six tackles for loss as a sub, as a as a complimentary player. Deron Payne just had one tackle for loss in 2017. That's stunning to me, considering how disruptive uh, Deron Payne was uh, in 2017. But I guess the bigger question, did you see this coming for Quinnen Williams? Because I didn't see, not to this magnitude that Quentin Williams doing what he's done in the last calendar year no I don't know if many people did um you know Quentin looked pretty good as a reserve and I think he's someone that was um you know played really well on the the scout team um he redshirted obviously his first year at Alabama and then as you already mentioned was a reserve in that first year um yeah I think he, he might have gotten scout team player of the week um yeah if not every week most of the weeks and um He's someone that, um, you know, when Jonathan Allen left for the NFL, a lot of the times when those guys have their um, you know, time at the podium and announce that they're going to leave or um, you know, do interviews at the Senior Bowl or at the Combine, wherever it may be, um, you know, Jonathan Allen didn't hesitate and said that a guy that you need to watch is, is Quentin Williams. And um, I think people thought he was going to have a good career. I don't think that people thought he was going to be the most dominant player on the defensive side of the ball in college football, and that's exactly what he was last year. And... Um, you know, it's interesting to hear from Quinnen, um, you know, whenever he spoke after declaring for the draft that, uh, you know, he's a guy that knew he had this ability. He just had to wait his turn. And uh, a lot of guys don't have that mindset. And the, the age of the transfer, people will go elsewhere. But, you know, Quinnen you know, contributed a little bit as a redshirt freshman. And then when he got his opportunity after Deron Payne left, um, man, he took advantage of it. And, you know, Alabama's had some really successful defensive linemen during Nick Saban's time in, as head coach. Um, guys like Marcel Darius, Jonathan Allen, Dron Payne, uh, Ashawn Robinson, uh, Jaron Reed, one of the more unsung guys like uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. But when you put what Quinnen did uh, this past season up against uh, the rest of those, it's hard not to just look at from an individual season standpoint and say that Quinnen you know, had the best year of any of them. 
And uh, I think that's directly related to people mentioning him as the potential number one pick if the Cardinals don't go um, and choose Kyler Murray from Oklahoma. Um, yeah, there's, there's obviously some scenarios that can play out. Uh, if they don't choose Kyler Murray, they could choose to to um, you know trade the pick and, and move back in the draft. But uh, if not, it's going to be a race between Quentin Williams and Nick Bosa. And if they want that interior presence, then Quentin Williams could be the first uh, number one overall pick in the Nick Saban era, and that would be something for him to accomplish. Absolutely, Hank. In terms of that position in general, and what we're seeing. Uh, under Nick Saban, and really around college football in general, seems like there's been a real shift from that sturdy, stout Josh Chapman, Terrence Cody, 320, 350-pound, two-gap nose tackle, to more of a playmaker like a Quinnen Williams. But I say that, and there's a guy like Is Softsher that's going to hit campus this summer. Is is Softsher more along the lines of an old-school nose tackle, or will he be able to provide some of that playmaking ability uh, that we saw from Quinnen Williams and some others of late? No, I, I absolutely think Ishmael Sopcher is a guy that can can kind of fit that mold of a Quinnen Williams. And, you know, a lot of the people that uh, are, are not Alabama fans, possibly, you know, LSU fans or, or schools that did not land Ishmael Sopcher will say, well, you know, uh, they they have their criticisms of, of Ishmael Sopcher and, and why they think he might not work out at Alabama. But I thought the most interesting thing Nick Saban said was at, at his National Signing Day press conference was that they challenged Ishmael Sopcher and, and they challenged him to, to come into the program to you know to work hard and, and go through the process and, and you know he can he can be that next Quinton Williams that type of player and and uh, you know. People kind of see. I think a lot of times people kind of see prospects as they are now, and they don't think about where they're going to be in, in three or four years. And and I think that's kind of Ishmael Sopcher is kind of a good example of that. You know, he, he's an amazing player, um, but you know what he can be after being at Alabama for three or four years, um, I think is something special and, and certainly something. Um, I, I think that's you know, you know as Ishmael was recruited, I think he looked at Quinn and Williams as that was a prime opportunity. You know, he was there. At LSU this past November, uh, when Quentin when Quentin Williams was going off against the Tigers in Death Valley, he was a guest of LSU, and it kind of you know Bama was kind of helping itself <laughs> recruiting him while he was on a visit to LSU um, at, in that game. So um, you know I, I think Ismael Sopcher is totally a, a guy that can be developed into something like that, and and uh, that's certainly what Alabama saw in him. Guys, beyond the the automatics, which are the Williamses, uh, Quentin and Jonah. I want to get your most intriguing Alabama draft prospect for this for this process and for the upcoming weekend. Um, is it a guy like Mac Wilson? You know, you talk about former five stars uh, and, and how they're going to convert to the National Football League in terms of uh, did he come out too early, in your opinion? Should he stayed another year? Is it Deontay Thompson, who has unfortunately had the issues with his health throughout the draft process in the last few months? Uh, start with you, Charlie. Give me your most intriguing guy for the upcoming weekend from the Alabama contingent. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably for me a toss-up between Mac and Deontay just because you know they're the two guys that um, I think could have maybe benefited from coming back. Um, you know, We've had this discussion uh, ever since, uh, I think it was scrimmage number two, when Nick Saban talked about players leaving early for the draft and without mentioning it, and he obviously talked about Ronnie Harrison going out a year early and getting drafted in the third round um, and starting for the Jaguars when he could have maybe come back a year and, and maybe been the first player uh, taking his position and been a first-round pick and had a difference of maybe $18 million. So 
Um, you look at the the money situation, you never know what those guys are dealing with back home, uh, their incentives or anything like that. But I'm really interested to see where those guys um, you know, will fall. I think Deontay in the first part of the season, uh, many were projecting him to be a first-round draft pick, the first safety off the board. Uh, he didn't really play up to that level to the second half of the season. And um, I think his stock has dropped a little bit. He obviously had that wrist injury. He wasn't able to do anything at the combine. He didn't do anything at Alabama's public pro day. Uh, I think he was pretty satisfied with what he did with the closed uh, pro day. Uh, I think it was in early April. But um, you know, he's a guy that you know some have said is going to go uh, you know day three. He could potentially go up to the third round, but maybe in that fourth or fifth round range. Um, you know the same goes for Mac. Uh, he obviously didn't perform like a lot of people thought that he would. Uh, he was a guy that was being projected as a first-round draft pick before the season started. Um, had some struggles with communication and getting the defense lined up and things like that, and that's something that you don't want to see if you're an NFL scout. So those two guys, for me, it, it's really a toss-up. It's hard to pick one just because I think they're in the same boat where they entered the season and maybe in the early portions of the season had such uh, high expectations for this time of year and were setting up to be uh, you know, top 32 picks, and now you just you don't know. They could be... Um, you know, third round picks, they could wait till day three to call their name. And once you get to that point, it's, it's a long waiting process. So those two, for me, it's tough to pick one. Um, you know, it's they're they're in the same boat. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see where they end up come this weekend. Hank, I guess from a standpoint of the path that a guy took from high school to this point, just three years later, there aren't many like Josh Jacobs, right? I mean, you know that story extremely well late in the process as a high school senior, uh, gets the go-ahead from Alabama, and to get to this point, uh, again, in such a short period of time, given your your knowledge of the uh, of that situation, uh, that has to be right there at the top, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the it, it's, a, it's a fun story to go back and look at. You know, Nick Saban didn't watch Josh Jacobs' film until – uh, I think it was the day after they beat Clemson in the in the college football playoff, and uh, you know, and then everyone started seeing this film, and they're like, "How did this guy not? How was he not found?" And the thing was, you know, at the time he he was a three star recruit, so he he had a, he had a twenty four seven page, and he had he had he was on the radar. He just you know, schools were just kind of seeing his tape and 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 uh, and going to kind of. And going into Tulsa and verifying his size and doing all that, and that's exactly what Alabama did. You know, Burton Burns went out there and, and just to make, you know, his film was there, but they had to go see him, and, and they did, and and uh, and the rest was history, and he chose Alabama. But you know, man, talk about, uh, yeah, like you said, that path from from where he was to to where he is now, and and I think he, I was gonna say he's he's one of the more, I think he's probably the most intriguing guy for me heading into Thursday night, just in that, you know. Uh, some Daniel Jeremiah said he, he's a top 10 player in the draft, but at the same time, he might not go um, in, until late in the first round or earlier in the second. And, and so I, I think there's just kind of that that'll be like an that'll be an intriguing storyline to watch on Thursday night. And and to give another guy too on, the, on that same kind of note is Irv Smith Jr., you know, as far as a guy that. Um, he, he was ranked lower than than Josh Jacobs in the 2016 class. And, and you know, he uh, it, to see where he ends up on, on Thursday night or, or possibly Friday as well will be will be fun to watch. You know, I saw one draft that had him maybe projected to the Patriots with the 32nd pick, which, you know, coming in after Rob Gronkowski retires, that 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 could be a good opportunity for him. But, you know, those are those are probably my two guys as far as the ones I'm watching closest on, on Thursday night uh, to see where they end up. Yeah, both those guys, Jacobs and Smith, when you talk about translating from recruiting ranking 
to where they could go in this draft this weekend, that speaks to player development from every facet and also evaluation. Don't get me wrong. Some really good evaluations were made during the recruiting process. But, you know, Irv Smith, I want to say, was kind of the other tight end in his class with Miller Forstall, wasn't he, Hank? I mean, it was Miller Forstall anyway who got the start as a true freshman against USC, and Smith was kind of next guy up, wasn't he? Yeah, that's true. Looking back on it, uh, and you know, Miller Forstall is going to get his chance this year. But and, and same thing, kind of. If you look at Josh Jacobs, you know, Bama had a, a commitment, or they had. Uh, I guess the early signing period wasn't wasn't there yet, but uh, they had a commitment from B.J. Emmons, who was the number two running yeah. back in the nation and on a borderline five star. So Josh Jacobs at the same time was kind of the other running back in the 2016 class, similar to Irv Smith being the other tight end in the 2016 class with Miller Forstall. So it's two really cool stories, and and uh, and it'll be fun to watch to see how it plays out on Thursday. Or Friday. Yeah, I think B.J. Emmons now with Lane Kiffin down there uh, at Florida Atlantic. Uh, the 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 college football road can take you a lot of a lot of different places. All right, guys, as we wrap up the initial edition of Built by Bama Online podcast, I want your first rounders for Alabama on Thursday night. Who do you got from the Alabama side of things going in round one? Charlie, we'll start with you. Obviously, Quinn and Jonah are going to be up there. I think they could be top 15 picks, the both of them. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Cardinals at number one if they don't go the Kyler Murray route and they stay put. If Quinn can be the number one overall pick, it would be exciting to see him get that opportunity after uh, the road he's been on, you know, losing his mother and things like that, to, to have that opportunity to, to provide for his family. It would be really cool to see. But uh, I think three's a lock, potentially four. Uh, I think Josh Jacobs will go in the first round. Um, maybe in the, the late 20s, um, you know, teams like um, Indianapolis, uh, Philadelphia, maybe even Kansas City could give him a look. I know uh, the Chiefs need some DB help, but, you know, he's just he's a special athlete. He'll do anything on the field, um, special teams, blocking, receiving. Uh, he's a number one um, you know, running back in this draft. And I think with him at the top of his position, uh, you know, he's going to be in that first round. And I think. And the, the player on the fringe for me is Irv, just because um, there are two tight ends from Iowa in front of him, and uh, that's always tough to kind of overcome. And getting three tight ends in the first round is pretty rare. Um, but, you know, talking with these draft analysts, hearing what they have to say, um, you know, guys have pointed a lot to the Oakland Raiders maybe going to Alabama heavy in this first round. They have, you know, three of the top 32 picks uh, with number four, uh, 24 and 27, and some people have had them going Quinnen. Uh, Josh Jacobs and Irv Smith. That'd be really cool to see. But I think three is the, the number I'd go with, but I wouldn't be surprised to be C4 with Irv Smith kind of sneaking into that latter portion of the first round. How about it, Hank? No, I, I agree with Charlie. You know, I mean, obviously with, with Quinnen and Jonah being the, those locks, the top 15 picks, maybe top 15 uh, picks. And then I, I do think Josh Jacobs will be uh, a first round pick. I just don't think a team is going to pass up the opportunity to draft him in the first round with, with what he brings to the table. And then, yeah, you know, that, that, that kind of fringe first round pick in, in Irv Smith, you know, I, I think he would be a great pickup for anybody um, looking for a tight end, you know, you know, crazier things have happened, you know, as far as, you know, players getting drafted ahead of other players ranked ahead of them. So, um, you know, we'll see, but I think three is a safe number, possibly four. Yeah. I think three and a half, if Vegas set a total, <laughs> right. For first rounders on Thursday night, it would probably be three and a half. And that would be a rusty hook to have to deal with in in going over or under that. I think a lot of it, guys, is 
hinges upon a couple of things. The, the Patriots, uh, obviously sitting there at 32 with Rob Gronkowski, apparently retired anyway. And then, Charlie, what you talked about with the Raiders and all those picks um, and, and how it could work with Oakland, should they keep those three first-round picks? Maybe they trade out with one of them for extra picks later in the draft. These are the things that we can't account for at the time that we've recorded this podcast. In other words, there's probably going to be some trades. There's probably some going on right now that are going to go down in the next day or so that could certainly impact whether or not Alabama makes it three years in a row with four first round picks. Well, guys, hey, I thought it was fairly painless, right? We got one in the can at least, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, this was fun. Um, you know, it's <laughs> it's one thing to put it on the page whenever you can spitball it and uh, have a little fun with it. It always is good to mix it up. I didn't think it was too NPR-ish, you know? <laughs> what about you, Hank? No, not at all. You know, Outside of the, this this nice podcast microphone setup that twenty four seven sports has us set up with, you know, I, I thought it was uh, pretty seamless. Yeah, I mean the technology is there if the talent isn't. So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll we'll do our best with it. But for uh, for Charlie Potter and Hank South, Travis Ryer, thanking you for spending your time with us at BamaOnline.com. Looking forward to more of these. Again, it's the built by Bama Online Podcast. You can find it at any of your favorite podcast outlets in the coming days and weeks. Look forward to doing it again real soon. Thank you. We'll talk to you again on the Built by Bama Podcast uh, here in the very near future.